All right, and welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by the doctor amongst men, Duncan Joyce. How's things, Duncan? Hello, Lee. Glad to be here again. It's been a very, very good uh, weekend. Very, very busy and uh, had a fair bit of wrestling to pack in as well. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I've barely been able to watch any of the wrestling that's taken place this past weekend with life events going on. Um, just lots of different things happening. I started to watch the Evolve show, but I only got a couple of matches in, so I'm very much behind the times this weekend, sadly. Well, I'm midway through the first match. Uh, I'm looking forward to picking that up later. Uh, I got Extreme Rules in first off, and uh, that was mm, a slog in places, but there was lots of good stuff there. Um Unfortunately, there are a couple of things that uh, reminded me of something that greatly irritated me on uh, this pair of shows that we're going to be watching. Oh, very. Sorry, go on. Uh, well, we'll get into specifics, but um... <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll 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 get into all that whole deal later, but. <laughs> I actually the one thing I did watch this week um, wrestling wise not related to what we're about to speak about in a minute is the Batista documentary on the network very very much enjoyed that and would recommend everyone check it out oh yes watch that this morning yeah that was great uh, the other thing the previous weekend I got to go to see uh, Progress's most recent show at Manchester nice friend of the podcast uh, Gareth and his mate Tom hooked me up with a spare ticket that was going to go away so thank you very much gents Nice one. Very good. Anything decent on that show? Oh, yes. Uh, the main event, Ilya Dragunov versus Volta. Killer. Uh, Jordan Devlin nice. wrestled Connor Mills, and that was quite good just from the perspective of the way Devlin worked for arm over in the early goings. It was just so tight and snug, and you don't see anybody really work that way. Like It still felt like his opponent was resisting him a, a lot more than a regular match. Very good. Very good. Um, speaking of resistance, <laughs> the resistance is about to end here on what we're covering. So if you've been listening yes. along, we're obviously looking at the mini Monday Night War, uh, TNA Impact versus Monday Night Raw. And this is the penultimate shows that go head to head by my count. Um, second to last one. We're nearly at the end here. Which is a real shame. Um, obviously, we'll get into the specifics momentarily, but um, the audience gap, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. Actually, let's talk about it now. So, Raw, um, their rating for the show was a 3.5 up against Impact's 0.5. So, that's a big, big difference. But watching these shows, it didn't feel like that much of a difference to me. I will heartily disagree, and I think it's probably a blessing that maybe only half a million people watch this TNA show, and it might have worked in their favour. (laughs) Okay, this is going to be interesting then. (laughs) But yeah, the the obvious problem here is they've not got the hour leading, like the hour advantage over Raw this time, because Raw is a three-hour show, so they're starting early. So, Impact moving to their earlier time slot, that's, they're totally missing out on all of that as well. Okie dokie then. I think this is going to be a nice, healthy, uh, robust discussion here. So I'm interested, which one did you watch first? I watched Raw first. As did I. Should we head over and check out Raw? Let's get to it. 
As Duncan mentioned, Raw was a three-hour show, and my first note <laughs> when starting up on this was thank God for the ad breaks because, yeah, um, it takes a healthy about 45 minutes out of it on the network. Thank God. <laughs> this must be your first three-hour Raw. I'm pretty sure you, you've had at least one three-hour Nitro. Um, I'm not sure if I've had a... I, it's just the f- permanently gone to two hours where I'm at now, Nitro. And yeah. that's really slowed me down on the timeline. Um, I could knock over a Raw and a Nitro in one night and record the next night. And essentially, like, with a couple of hours, you know, that's probably about four hours work in total to get an episode out. Going to two hours on Nitro has really slowed me down on that. But was it three hours when you did the January 4th shows? Um... Uh, 1999. Yeah, that's a long, long way back. I'm pretty sure it was, but um, that's so far back I forgot I'd even done it. <laughs> I've got this thing in the back of my head that TNA's uh, first Monday night special was three hours. Uh, I can't remember. Um, I, I don't recall doing a three hour... Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'll definitely stand to be corrected on that. Um, I mean, well, yeah, it breezed by anyway. Um, yeah. This raw, a little bit less of a breeze in places. Mm, and start to start with the um, commentary team of Jerry Lawler, Michael Cole, and Matt Stryker. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's my note here. I bet Lee's thrilled. <laughs> fucking hate Matt Stryker with a passion. <laughs> uh, do you want to uh, update us all as to why, what the occasion is for this special three hour event? Yeah, so it's the big draft. Um, as I'm sure you've all been aware of the drafts in the past, um, they're quite hit and miss. I actually loved the episode of Raw that featured the first ever draft. That's a big, big favorite of mine. Um, probably in my top 10 episodes of Raw of all time, actually. And then the flip to that, um, obviously plenty of the drafts recently where people come and go as they please and it makes no difference, including the most recent one. And I had a chance to listen to JR's podcast recently talking about him kind of being disrespected on live TV when he got drafted to SmackDown. So yeah, there's a definite sort of big divide between the good and the bad on these things oh i remember that oh and it it was it really really hurt me seeing jr having to backpedal on his blog after that saying oh oh, i I need to be professional and like no you don't i didn't give you any notice that you're gonna have to change your whole entire working life basically 
Oh, the worst part of that, listening to his podcast, was um, obviously SmackDown hadn't happened yet that week, and it was the next day, so he hadn't even packed clothes for a second broadcast and was expected to fly to the next town and still appear professional on TV the next night. Oh, they're very good at doing this with him. There was one time uh, Raw was on during his birthday or something like that, and they did a skit with... Big Dick Johnson, I think it was, and he got poured in champagne and he didn't have a change of suit with him, so he had to take his flight back to wherever he was going after Raw in this suit that's soaked in champagne. God, they can be such dickheads at times. (laughs) I know. The one draft that I really ought to go back and check out is 2004 because that's just like this big vacuum where everything got retconned after that and yeah, the one where triple h got traded for three different wrestlers well that was the aftermath of that yeah yeah but yeah that, that in in the context of that show it looks like triple h is going to smackdown he wrestles eddie guerrero everybody it's a big schmoz at the end and that's the final uh night that we saw sheriff stone cold steve austin on his quad rounding everyone up All right, apologies for some technical difficulties, but we lost a little chunk of the audio there. Um, Where it appears to cut out is where we're talking about the great trade that sent Triple H back to uh, Raw for three people. Um, I think I had a shot at Kyle, so I might leave that one out this time around. Maybe (laughs) it was a sign from the universe. Um, but we were just about to jump into Monday Night Raw, which we both watched first, um, which is a three-hour show. So we're going to very quickly just recap what we missed here. Obviously, it's a three-hour show, um, minus commercial breaks on the network. Commentary team is my favorite, Matt Stryker from SmackDown, joining The King and Michael Cole. And we're about to get up uh, straight into the very first match, which is Show Miz defending the tag team titles against the Hart Dynasty, um, which has been a storyline we've been recapping along the way here. So uh, should we jump straight into the start of Raw now, Dunk, rather than mess about? Ah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Last night at Extreme Rules, the Big Show and I were forced to compete against not one, but three separate tag teams in three consecutive matches. And as a result, the Hart Dynasty was handed a tag team championship match tonight. Hey, let's face it, the Hart Dynasty has been handed everything, all because of Uncle Brett. They called themselves the Hart Dynasty. Dynasty? Really? Really Dynasty? I thought being a Dynasty meant you actually win championships. And then they were trained by the legendary Hall of Famer Stu Hart. Wow. Congratulations, you were trained by an 80-year-old man. But did Stu ever teach you how to face a seven-foot-tall, 500-pound giant? Did he ever teach you how to compete against a technical master of the ring like I am? No. He taught you exactly what he taught the entire Hart family. 
how to be losers. And Bret Hart, you're the biggest loser of them all. You lost a deal with us, and a deal is a deal. So, Bret Hart, I want you to come out here. I want you to come out. Yeah, yeah, give it to him. Yeah, give it to Bret Hart. I want Bret Hart to come out here and declare to the world. I want him to come out here and declare showbiz, the greatest tag team in WWE history. And then you can stay and watch us prove it. Because we're showmiz and we're awesome. <laughs> The WWE Hall of Famer, Bret Hart. Why is he wearing sunglasses indoors? Everyone's standing, I get the respect, but... Okay. I'm a man of my word. I do declare that Show Miz is the greatest tag team of all time. I also declare that the Mountie was the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. <laughs> the Mountie? All right, touche. And I also declare that David Arquette was the greatest world champion of all time. <laughs> that was a disgrace. In fact, I can say anything I want. For example, I could say that Miz is a horse-faced idiot. <laughs> that might be about as close to the truth as you can get. I could say anything I want. But the truth is, talk is cheap. It's all about the results. And tonight, you're gonna have no other choice but to declare the Hart Dynasty the new unified tag team champions of the world. Oh man. Uh, Miss comes out and cuts a good promo to start off with um, taking some shots at Bret Hart and demanding that Bret Hart come out and honor his commitment to name Show Miz the greatest tag team in the world since they beat the Hart Dynasty last time around, which Bret does. He comes out and declares him the greatest tag team in history. However, he's not done there. He then declares the Mountie the greatest intercontinental champion of all time and David Arquette the greatest world champion of all time in a surprisingly funny promo for Brett. Did you enjoy that one, Dunk? <laughs> I did indeed. I mean, he's only putting himself over saying this as well, seeing as how the Mountie beat Brett to get the title. Uh, he, he, had a, um, he had a pretty big flu, though. That's true. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, yeah, the crowd was super hot for Brett um, throughout this promo. Uh, I thought Miz had a couple of nice little digs, like saying how doesn't a dynasty win things? I was seeing as how fair point. Yeah, I mean DH and Tyson are very wet behind the ears at this point. There's a sign in the crowd that read Betty Betty White for Raw GM. Oh, very good. Nostradamus, there that would actually happen. <laughs> and the Big Show. I don't know if you noticed this. He's very, very smiley and happy coming out here. Yeah, I um 
I think he's digging the creative, as JR would say. <laughs> uh, we get the match started with a nice springboard arm drag from Tyson Kidd and a low drop kick. David Hart Smith hits his patented delayed vertical suplex, and we go into a commercial. <coughs> when we come back, we get a nice back suplex from David Hart Smith and a big boot from the big show, which draws audible oohs and gasps from the crowd, which was really, really cool. That was awesome, yeah. He then followed that up with that cool elevated headbutt that we've seen him do a couple of times where he chokes someone and then headbutts them out of midair. And then, yeah, and on Tyson Kidd, it looks really nice. Uh, yeah, Tyson Kidd's a great bumper for that kind of thing. And Matt Stryker then speculates that if Big Show could do a moonsault, it would be called a Jupiter assault. Yeah, and um, he goes up zero in my estimation. <laughs> <laughs> Miss hits a nice neck breaker for a two before Tyson Kidd makes a hot tag to Smith. Comes in and hits a power slam, but it only gets a two. Uh, the heels go for a cheating pin, which Bret Hart breaks up, and this allows the faces to hit the heart attack, and then Tyson Kidd to lock in the sharpshooter on the Miz for the tap-out victory to a huge pop and a nice culmination to a pretty decent storyline. Yeah, super hot crowd. Really nice match. Uh, I was a big fan of this. Miz and DX Smith had some great exchanges, especially. Show had some nice spots with Tyson Kidd. Just everybody got a little chance to shine here in this match and the champion the new champions especially had some nice teamwork i really enjoyed this yeah i thought it was a really good match and i enjoyed the, i enjoyed the um title change from there we go to a recap of the extreme rules title match which obviously was batista and john cena we talked about on a previous episode um the typical wwe fair of showing still shots while talking about it because they still hope you're going to buy the replay um and we come back from a commercial break and we see that during the show Big Show and The Miz have had a little bit of a row over the the loss, and Big Show actually hits The Miz with the KO punch and knocks him out. Yeah, it's had enough of him. Because obviously, the past couple of weeks, Miz's mouth has been getting him into trouble lately, and Show's just had enough. Fair dues. We then get a recap of the Shamo and Triple H uh, storyline, which I've not been enjoying at all. Um, so this one didn't do anything for me. And we go to a promo from Jack Swagger, uh, interrupted by Edge, who wants his title. Yeah, Swagger claims what he did last night screams world champion. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, on paper, beating Randy Orton in Extreme Rules, yeah, that's, you know... <laughs> that's unfortunately going to be the best win he's going to get in his title reign yeah being laid out 10 seconds later <laughs> not so much today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Punter's Haven if you're an Australian resident and like winning money you owe it to yourself to go and check out Punter's Haven on Facebook step one head over to Facebook check out Punter's Haven tell them Lee sent you and sign up for your first three months step two step three profit so what are you waiting for? With winning tips on many major sports and horse racing, Punters Haven are definitely going to have the tip for you. So head on over there and get that meat sauce, baby. And from there we go to a, another classic 2010 Raw match. It's even Maurice taking on Lakel. Yes, this is our first draft pick match. So from now on, I think every match except for one coming up is going to be... Different wrestlers from different brands are going to compete, and the winner, their brand, gets a draft pick. Hmm, so this should make things interesting. Yeah. This one being a Divas match means that uh, <laughs> they're exclusively going to draft a Diva. 
And it also means don't blink because you will miss it. <laughs> we get the slam of a week with AutoZone getting the zone <laughs> of two weeks ago when Eve won the Divas title. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the best, but um, at least we know where we're up to with the girls. Eve works a headlock and then hits a corner clothesline before Maurice tags in and uh, tags in with a kick, t- kicks Eve to tag in, which is weird. Um, the two partners then brawl on the floor and Eve jumps in and beats the count. So does it count out somehow? I really don't understand how this worked at all. <sighs> Layla at one point in this match... Um... She was taking advantage and she had a very Billy Kay-esque, are you kidding me? When Eve kicked <laughs> out of her cover. Um, is it just me or does every women's wrestler from this time use the head trip, the pull the hair thing? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a staple of them. There's not, there's not a lot of moves shared between them, to be honest. That and there's a lot of, um, lot of sidekicks. And if you're the tallest woman on the roster, you have to use the kevin nash corner choke with the boot mm, yeah yeah i didn't notice that um she tagged in with the foot like me and kyle have speculated on this before like, we we just figured that you need to tag an area of the upper body because the back and the hands are always fine and the heads are fine but there was one time the revival were wrestling and they tried to tag hand to foot and the referee wouldn't allow it well, I was confused because the referee seemed to allow it, but then it was Eve that rolled back in to break up the count out, and surely she wasn't the legal woman, so it made no sense to me at all. Oh, we're going to get a lot of problems with legal people in tag team matches coming up, don't you worry. <laughs> um, Jerry Lawler's obviously had enough of Matt Stryker already. He he asks, maybe you'll get drafted to Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? <laughs> and Stryker's response is, yeah, been working on that one all day, huh? I don't know about you, but I'd take Nicholas on commentary over Matt Stryker. <laughs> Braun would just get on the mic, get for Nicholas! Like, yes, Braun, whatever you say. Have you seen, I don't know if you've seen on the network, a complete sidebar here, but there's like a um, where are they now for past superstars, like these little five-minute videos in one of the collections, and there's one on Nicholas. It's, I just had to watch it. It's hilarious. Oh, no way. Oh, I didn't realize they <laughs> yeah. still did that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know how I came across it, but I was like, oh, what, Nicholas? I've got to watch this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's every bit as bad as you'd expect. I definitely recommend it. It goes for about four minutes. Oh, cool. Uh as for that match, I wouldn't recommend it. It was inoffensive action-wise, but like you say, that finish was kind of dumb. Yeah, I mean, the we, we get... Um, she does get back in, and Michelle McCool hits a big boot for the three, so technically, Lay Cool do win the match, but it just confused me all the way around. Um, and then we get the Divas draft, as you mentioned, and it's Kelly Squared heading over to SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> Is she going to come out rapping with John Cena now? <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just want to see a call that bingo all the Kellys, Kelly, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the best name ever. <laughs> oh, so yeah, she's heading over to SmackDown. It seems quite happy with that. So there you go. We then get the usual raw trope of seeing people walking backstage as we're going to the commercial break, and this week it's the SES. And when we come back, we get a raw fact, which is that Raw has visited over 300 military uh, bases in the last six years. So there you go. Mm-hmm. 
I could only think of poor <laughs> Ashley Massaro when that came up. Yeah, that's a little bit hard to hear now, isn't it? I know it's it's grim reading. I'd especially uh, recommend people like follow the details if you're interested. But yeah, this is a scummy company. Yep. We then go to our next matchup, which is Evan Bourne taking on CM Punk. Uh, this was one that had me excited. Could be something decent here. And we get started with a nice spin kick from Punk and an Ev- uh, Evan Bourne Hurricane Rana in counter before Punk uh, hits a backbreaker and a leg lariat for a two. Bourne comes back with a jumping knee and a low drop kick for a two and then a really nice uh, springboard plancher. I've got a note in here from Michael Calderstriker, who's obviously having enough. I can't remember why he said it, but he just, in the middle of commentary, just looked at Striker and went, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need a reason for it, to be honest. On point. <laughs> Evan Bourne goes up top and uh, gets distracted by Serena. And then the mystery guy from the pay-per-view comes in and pushes Bourne off the ropes, allowing Punk to hit the GTS for the one, two, three, and picking up another draft pick for SmackDown. Now that you mentioned Serena, that was probably what Stryker was being weird about, like fetishizing her and stuff. Yeah, probably. Uh, maybe I, I forgot it for a reason. <laughs> what do you think of the match, Oli? It was all right. Um, I, I feel like on a three-hour show... If you want my attention, then when you get two guys like this in the ring, you kind of need to let them go all out. And I guess the past probably decade or so now of WWE, the pattern for me seems to be, with the exception of NXT, we sign the best wrestlers in the world and we make them all go at about 70%. Mm, yeah, I get that. The, the time limitations was the biggest bugbear about this match for me as well. Like, there was lots of action. I found it perfectly watchable, but... It was as good as you're going to get in this time frame. Pretty much. Um, The draft pick, however, was a pretty big deal. And it was the, I guess, maybe recently face-turned Big Show heading off to SmackDown. Mm, Punk looks rather scared as well. I wonder if that's some foreboding for a future storyline. We then get to see another superstar walking. And this time it's Seamus gracing us with his silent presence. We go to another commercial, and when we come back, there's a really, really weird backstage segment where Teddy Long welcomes the big show to SmackDown, who at first seems angry, then indifferent, and then gives Teddy Long a big cuddle. And then that makes Teddy do his little jive thing. <laughs> that, um, that really cracked me up, though. It was, it was funny, if nothing else. Seamus then comes out and basically tries to tell the crowd that Triple H is done for. Unfortunately, because he's boring as shit, he gets the what treatment? Not just the other, the only weird treatment he gets. There's, there's lots of weird, like, loss of focus during this promo with the camera work. I've never really seen anything like it on a WWE show. Yeah, interesting. We um, do save him, though, however, because he's dying a death with the crowd. Randy Orton comes out to get into the debate over who deserves the WWE title match. And then John Cena comes out um, and cuts a really lame promo telling us there's no guest host and that he's been left in charge of picking the number one contender. And he basically says he's going to let them have a match later to find out as we go to a commercial. And I just... Yeah, this segment was um, a bit of a train wreck for me. Yeah, he takes a pretend phone call from WWE Global, apparently, um, reaches out from 
his his mobile from his jeans is like this is why i'm wrestling jean shorts by the way and then uh, proceeds to make all those lame pale jokes about sheamus that everyone makes during this time frame yeah it's poor it's very poor imagine how many cracked iphone screens he's had over the years oh yeah that's true especially that night that he had his wedding ring in there as well <laughs> yeah, it must have been really uncomfortable i know um, as I said, we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we have a 10-man battle royal, um, which I've accidentally lost the notes on the participants for, so I'm going to let Duncan run you through on that one yes, quickly. I've got this. So there's three draft picks on the line in this match. Representing uh, SmackDown, we have Ray, Ray Mysterio, Kane, Shag Gaspard, Drew McIntyre, and R-Truth. And then from a raw side of things, we have MVP, Mark Henry, Yoshitatsu, Santino Morella, and Ted DiBiase. Ah, stacked roster. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, th- there's not a lot to this match. Yoshitatsu tosses out Drew McIntyre pretty quick before getting dumped by Shad Gaspar. We go to a commercial during the match as well, which doesn't help. When we come back... Ray Hurricane Rana's MVP out of the ring. Santino gets rid of Shad and R-Truth in the one go, but then eats a chokeslam from Kane. Kane sends Matt Hardy out, and Ted DiBiase dumps Kane. Ray hits a nice springboard senton, um, has a series of near misses, but eventually um, Ted dumps him out, and we get the three draft picks for Monday Night Raw. Mm. I thought... Excuse me, everything after the commercial break was when things picked up for me. It started out, you know, your regular Battle Royal. Shad made a bit of a mess eliminating Yoshi. But the fans in the crowd were really into Rey Mysterio's close calls, and that helped it a lot for me. And the closing stretch with Rey and DiBiase, I thought, had some really neat spots, especially revolving around the apron. Yeah, absolutely. And the three draft picks here are some heavy hitters. Um, coming over to Monday Night Raw, we get John Morrison, R-Truth, and Edge. So that's a um, hell of a hell of a three picks, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yeah. Big pops all around for those guys. Um, there's a sign in the crowd claiming that Edge stole my hair. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was a bald bloke doing it. Um, Santino was pretty pleased as well. So he was never eliminated from the match and... He tried to celebrate and do the trombone gimmick in the ring. DBS is having none of it and hit him with Dream Street. <laughs> yeah, um, a little bit harsh, but it is what it is. Um, we, we then see some clips of Heath Slater beating Chris Jericho on NXT, I think it was, wasn't it? That's right, yes. It was the KFC Double Down Showdown. <laughs> oh, wow. This was probably about the high point of Heath Slater's WWE career, sadly. Uh, mm... I've got kids, I need this job is much bigger for me, I think. Oh, I yeah, probably chase, chasing Ryan, inviting Rhino to the trailer park. I, I can't hate on that either. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh my God. That got me feeling so good about the you know, this recent reincarnation of the draft. Because imagine how less important the Heath Slater and Rhino story would have felt if they didn't have tag team titles to chase. Yeah, all right, I'll give you that. We then go to Chris Jericho taking on Christian. Uh, Before the match, Jericho cuts a promo on Edge and demands Heath Slater come out and apologize for beating him. Um, And 
Heath Slater comes out and says that he won't beat Christian. So there you go. Um, Heath Slater tosses Jericho out, and then Christian comes in and works on the injured leg as we go to a commercial break. Um, we get a chin lock from Jericho when we come back and a slingshot into the ropes. He misses a lion salt, allowing Christian to go up top for a, up sorry up top up to the second rope for an elbow drop. Uh, Chris Jericho goes for the walls, but it's counted into a small package for a two. Before he comes back with an enziguri for a two, Christian hits a reverse DDT for a two, and then Jericho hits the walls, um, locks on the walls briefly, but Christian escapes, goes up top, and comes off the top rope into a code breaker from Jericho, which looked really cool for the one, two, three. Mm. Uh, you mentioned... Uh... Jericho's injured leg. Uh, Jericho's gone full on old man Canadian here when he was talking about his leg in the opening promo. <laughs> um, this was a neat enough match, really. Uh, they had a little bit of miscue, miscommunication near the end, but they had enough back and forth to keep your attention. Um, if you could look past Captain Charisma's absolutely incredible tan job, <laughs> holy crap! It was um, it was no WrestleMania nineteen, which was my complaint. Mm. Oh, was it nineteen twenty one? Twenty. Twenty was when it was those two. Twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of Michaels and Jericho nineteen, isn't it? Oh, this was definitely not Michaels and Jericho. Yes, I'll give you <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> um. After the match, Jericho attacks Heath Slater and hits him with a code breaker, and we find out SmackDown is going to get Kofi Kingston in the draft. Yeah, good job. Um. Fresh start for him, really, uh, after the whole stupid, stupid, stupid thing kind of derailed him. Yeah, and he comes down and he nails Jericho with the trouble in paradise, so that was a bit bit rough. Yeah, nice bit of shine for him. Uh. <laughs> um, we get told that we're going to see John Morrison versus Jack Swagger next as we go to a commercial, and we go to a vault to have a look at... Uh, but we get a little sort of raw spiel video here where it tells us the WWE's video vault um, has 100,000 hours of content, which fuels the classics on demand, um, which obviously today is a big chunk of the WWE network. Yes. Oh, my God. I loved the Legends of Wrestling roundtables that they used to have. I'd always try and find oh, those great. on YouTube. Yeah. I'd love to have those back. They are on the network. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'd like to have new episodes or all. Oh, sorry, I'm with you. I was, yeah, I was gonna say. I know I've watched them recently. Um, no, I actually, that was. Do you remember back in? Well, obviously, remember back in 2010. But right before I stopped watching or wrestling, or before I, I, I had a, a good few years out of it. But before I'd given up on wrestling altogether, um, I got onto a forum, which was a tape trading forum at the time. But obviously, it was DVD because it was the 2000s. But I got all those like on DVDs on a tape trading forum and, and watched them. I funnily enough got all of those, a few shoot interviews and all of 1991 superstars of wrestling. What an eclectic mix that was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was the last big burst of wrestling before I went, ah, I can't do any more for a while. Mm, I've been thinking a lot about those kind of like tape trading days. I might have to do something about that at some point. Yeah, it was very hard to get into. You had to um, really prove your worth before they'd accept you on some of these forums. For the next portion of Raw, we see that Jack Swagger versus John Morrison match. Um, and we get some exchanging of strikes in the corner to start with. It's a little bit of a, a slow start to this one. Jack Swagger does come back with a slam and an elbow, but he works a headlock for an absolute age. 
John Morrison sends him to the outside eventually and hits a really nice uh, corkscrew plunger. Uh, gets him back in the ring for a two count. <coughs> Jack Swagger hits a spear to the buckles and we go to another commercial. When we come back, he's working over the back, which I find quite boring. Uh, an abdominal stretch in the ropes, which is kind of cool. John Morrison then hits a leg lariat and a standing shooting uh, press for a two count. Before Swagger comes back with a hip toss, a springboard kick and a shining wizard for... Uh, sorry. Um, Morrison hits a shining wizard for a two count. Jack Swagger then fights back and hits his gut wrench powerbomb for the one, two, three. Um, this was not one of my favorite parts of the show. Oh, I thought this was fairly nice in general. Um, like you say, Swagger's work working over Morrison, it kind of veered between dull as dishwater and kind of interesting. Like he had that Orton chin lock on for absolutely ages. But then he hit this really cool looking chicken wing that I kind of liked. Um, I thought this was a little more like it for him overall. Um, despite the lulls, I think they got a good flow of offense in near the end. Um, the catapult spot that they did was a little bit awkward, but other than that, Morrison hold his own and he got to show a little bit of his wow factor. Um, and he got to do the little Bret Hart donate the sunglasses thing at the start of his entrance as well. I think maybe I just have a built-in bias against anyone that became a star from 2008 to 2012 <laughs> because I think if you name them, I don't like them. Del Rio, Swagger, Seamus, Dolph Ziggler, pretty much all of them. I just can't stand them. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you someone else you can't stand that was on top form here. Oh, I can't wait for that. Matt Stryker. <laughs> when Swagger won the match, he exclaimed, Smack the sound, brother! <laughs> I've got that in my notes. It's great. <laughs> and then he's like, the cool kids understand me. Don't worry. Oh, my God. He is so far removed. Um, but Smack Dizan gets a draft pick, and they pick up Christian, which is a hell of a... Che- a hell of a... Not trade. It's a hell of a pick. Christian. <laughs> I don't know how you kayfabe Christian's name. <laughs> we go to a commercial, and then when we come back, we find out that next week's guest host is going to be Wayne Brady. And I've just got one question. Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? <laughs> Brilliant. Very good. I marked out for this as well. I love Who's Line. I got to get some money, man. I got to go to the ATM. I don't have no money. I'll get some money. <laughs> All right. Right here. Where's the ATM at? We at it. Hey! Hey, Dave. Hose, Dave. Dave Hose. Good evening, bitches. Good tonight. That's what I like to hear. That's all. Oh, that's nice. Hey, baby. Thank you. All right. More power to me. <laughs> all right. Thank you, baby. Oh, oh, Raquel. What's this? Mr. Franklin's lonely. It's, he's, there's only... Sorry, Daddy. What do you mean, sorry, what do you mean, sorry, Daddy? What the hell did you just... Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? <laughs> I'm going to have to get out of this car and choke it. I'm not violent. I try not to be. I'm a, you know what? Wait, come okay. on, man. Come no, no, on, no, no, man. No, 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 no,
<laughs> oh my god! But I am. Yeah. Um, I actually after seeing this, I had to go. I had to go on like YouTube instantly. All the Wayne Brady and Dave Chappelle skits <laughs> from the Chappelle Show just did it for me. You're quite right. I think the Dave Ch- the Chappelle Show version of Wayne Brady would be a lot more useful in the WWE <laughs> environment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, from there, we get Ted. Uh, Ted this is a, actually this was my favorite part of the show. Ted DiBiase trying to get Carlito and then trying to get our truth to be his Virgil. This um, I'll splice it in, but this cracked me up. Our truth was brilliant in this segment. No. Why? Why? Why would I want to do that? Because you want the exposure on Raw. That's why. Face it, Carlito, your way really isn't working right now. If you take my offer, this way you... you don't sit on the sidelines anymore. I'd rather sit on the sidelines and take your offer, man. That's not cool. Our truth What's up? What's up, man? Hey, welcome to Rome. Welcome to the family. Mighty kind, are you? Yeah, mighty kind. Hey, listen, um, got a proposition for you. For me? Yeah, you. Shoot. See, I've been looking for uh, somewhat of a confidant. You know, somebody to look after things. Hey. Somebody watch my back. Carry my bags. You know. Did you say carry your bags? Yeah. Oh, what else? Carry your boots? Your, well, sure. your pads? What about this shiny belt? We can keep that shined up, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Cook your dinner, keep your hair flushed. Well, I mean that. You know what? You want yourself a Virgil. No, no. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Your daddy had a Virgil. No. Now you want a Virgil. No. You Ted DiBiase Jr., no, right? No, yes, but that, that, that's not what I'm saying. I am nothing like my father. I, yeah, Ted DiBiase Jr., not senior. Look, listen. What I'm saying is. We'd have a different relationship. Really? Yeah. What kind of relationship would we have? Tell me that. Well, the kind of relationship where I tell you what to do, you do it, and then I pay you a lot of money for it. A lot of money? Yeah. Mm. See? Now you talking my talk now, you know what I'm saying? A lot of money. A lot of money. Okay, this this is kind of big coming to me at one time. Can you just give me time to think about it? Well, yeah. I'll get back with you on that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Truth don't play that. <laughs> nice bit of uh, authority for our truth here. Bit of meat for a future rivalry coming up. Obviously, he's just been traded to Raw. Um, just yeah, he's closing like truth don't play that. I like yeah. liked it. Nice bit of attitude here. Uh, when he asked Carlito first, Carlito got his catchphrase in, of course. That's yeah, cool. that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, we then get a, vi- a military video about John Cena to Nickelback, and I just put "How American, How 2010." <laughs> what what a way to show your thanks to all the hardworking troops of America by serenading them with a, a Nickelback song, <laughs> a Canadian <brilliant> song. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to what on paper is the most one-sided matchup of the night. It's Dolph Ziggler taking on Hornswoggle. Oh, joy. We also get the revelation that there's going to be a supplementary draft the next day on WWE.com at noon. 
It gives them a chance to undo all their good work, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Hornswoggle runs. Dolph Ziggler chases him, throws him into the ring. But Hornswoggle throws his shoes at Dolph Ziggler and then throws his um, helmet at him to keep Dolph Ziggler from getting back in the ring. And apparently the referee thought well enough to keep counting while Hornswoggle was hitting him. And Hornswoggle wins by countout, which was absolutely ridiculous. Bullshit. Yeah. Swoggle's still in his DX gear here. Way past DX being a thing. Um yeah, what a bunch of bollocks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dolph Ziggler rightfully gets in and puts him in a sleeper to put him out. Uh, this brings out... Uh, now I have lost one of my notes. Oh, well... Uh, Jerry Jerry Lawler, sorry, yeah. Yeah, Lawler checks on Hornswoggle, what the hell? Yeah, tried to play it off as being serious. The comedy 10-second match, um, which ended in a sleeper, is now a serious injury angle, which I just found... I don't know what the hell they were going for here. I know, yeah, like... <laughs> Lawler getting up to attend to a distressed wrestler, you know. He did that for Owen Hart's accident. He did that when China re-broke her neck, kayfabe. And, you know, Owen, China, Hornswoggle. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, this was um, terrible. An and the end result of it... <laughs> of it all was Jericho gets drafted to Raw. Yes, interesting. Raw seems to be um taking some pretty heavy hitters from SmackDown here. Pretty stacked, yeah, including Legs Eleven Kelly Kelly, of course. <laughs> no, she went to SmackDown, didn't she? <coughs> yeah, yeah, she went. Oh, the other way. you know, you got to make up for that loss of star power. Come on, man. <laughs> That's pretty much two picks in one. That if you think about it. <laughs> We go to a commercial, and when we come back, we get another Extreme Rules recap. Um, picks only again um, from John Cena and Batista, and they shield the replay. I'm already sick of this match. I didn't like it when I had to watch it. Having to watch several recaps about it now is doing my head in. Yeah, they're still keeping to the whole slow-mo thing as well, unlike the Triple H and Sheamus package that they showed earlier. That was a bit more forthcoming. Imagine if after finding out the result of that match, these teaser packages made you think, oh, man, I, I really should have watched it. And you went back and got it with the hindsight of spoilers and, st- and then paid to watch that crap. Mm. We then get Batista out demanding a match. Um, Sheamus comes out to argue with him and then Orton comes out to argue. And Cena comes out and goes, oh, you know what, Batista, that's f- fair enough. We'll throw you in this three-way match for the number one contender spot. So Cena's just doing favours for all his enemies here. He's a nice guy. Nice guy, yeah. That, of course, takes us to our main event, which is the three-way. Sheamus, Batista, and Randy Orton. Batista chills out on the outside for a while while the other two fight. Very smart. Um, we get a slam from Sheamus, but Batista does make the save on the count. Um, Orton hits his patented Garvin stomp <laughs> for a two, and then a clothesline for a two. Batista comes in with a snapmare and a big boot, and then a big spine buster as we go to a commercial. Yeah, what the fuck? They went to commercial right when it looked like he was going to go for the Batista bomb. Yeah, um, I think we can probably guess that didn't happen. <laughs> Batista hits a nice spine buster to the apron on Randy Orton, which I thought was a really cool spot. And then we get a clothesline on Sheamus for a two. Sheamus hits a backbreaker for a two. Orton hits a power slam, and then Sheamus blocks the rope DDT, but he gets it on Batista instead. Batista hits a spear for a two. 
Orton hits the RKO on Sheamus, but then Edge comes out and spears his former partner, allowing Batista to pick up the pin, the one, two, three, and a really, really lack of um, a really uninspired heel turn for Edge. I know, came out of nowhere. Like I've, I remember Jericho talking about this a lot, like how they were very frustrated. Edge's the higher ups for Edge's face run wasn't getting as over as it should have been, and you know, obviously he's had a very muted match with Jericho the previous night in Extreme Rules, and they were frustrated at that. And Jericho was like, well, "Just wait, it'll get over." And you know, we heard the crowd when Edge interrupted Swagger. We heard the crowd when Edge got drafted to Raw. You're still into Edge. You know, still had a bit of a chance here. I thought. Yeah, so um, they both get drafted to Raw, and now Edge's heel turn, like, kind of in the middle of their angle, which was just bizarre. Yeah, strange. Uh, what did you make to the match, Lee? Um, look, I didn't love it. I thought it was okay. Um, it just... This whole show just reeked of nothingness for me. Despite the draft, obviously a lot of people are changing over, but the matches and the storylines, bar the Hart Dynasty, were... Just nothing grabbed me. It was just there. And I can see why this was the time where I really checked out of wrestling because it's just nothing here that would make me go, oh, I can't wait to see this match on pay-per-view. Yeah, I have to say, for a main event, this was a very flat match. It was very punchy-kicky at the start. Um, it picked up when they had all three men involved at once for the large part. Um, you know, it wasn't quite up to the in-ring standard set elsewhere in the show. It wasn't hopelessly up for face, but like I say, it wasn't all that interesting for the most part. Batista, he did hit this one really cool move. Uh, it's like he picks them up for a back suplex and then he clotheslines their ribs out of it. Yeah. And I don't... Batista's not terrible, mm. but I think I think going coming out of the draft where everything's sort of the reset button to still have Batista and Cena as a few as the main feud seems odd, an odd choice to me. Yeah, I suppose they're kind of going for a trilogy, really, because um, their only previous match was all the way back in two thousand and eight. So I guess they feel it was it would be kind of lame to end it like even in like the the more recent future or the, the more recent past yeah i guess so um what what were your thoughts on on the main event then yeah really flat for like a main event match uh the the closing angle with edges turn we've discussed it it's felt a bit out of nowhere and it puts future storylines a little bit off kilter yeah, and the um, the show on a whole, like I said, it, it didn't do a whole lot for me, but what, what did you think about this show? Um, you know, it's some bits that I really enjoyed, like you say, the, the opening stretch revolving around the tag titles, by far and away the best part of this show. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Everything else, mm, no, I, I kind of liked the Swagger and the Morrison match. Um, as far as the in-ring standard goes... Nothing really, I mean, apart from the Hornswoggle bollocks. There's very little that openly sucks. There's a lot of watchable stuff, but not stuff I'd really want to, like, go out and watch again or openly recommend other people go out and watch. It's a, it's a solid enough show, but you could tell the, the, the extra time had kind of, like, added this sag to things. Yeah, I think... Um... 
three hours just was a step too far for Raw, and nearly ten years later, I'm still of the exact same opinion. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, that'll do it for Raw. Um, a bit of a mixed bag and some good and some bad. But now we're going to head over and see the show that had three million less viewers, uh, Impact, and see what they've got to offer. Should we go and check that out? Oh, Duncan? those lucky, lucky three million people. <laughs> Peace, God. Peace, God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that. But before we do, we have to, of course, as is the style at the time, take a trip down memorabilia lane. Have you got anything off the top of your head that you wanted to discuss today, Dunk? Um, I've not read it yet, but I did order on this like book crowdfunding site called Unbound. Uh, this book, um, it's by... Oh, I'm going to have to look it up now. Uh, it's just an awesome book about uh, this woman training to wrestle and she had this like massive ovarian cyst that was like the size of a, a child uh, oh jesus yeah it's, i'm really looking forward to reading it like um i just wanted to give it a plug because uh, i'm really uh excited about it uh, it's called a girl's guide to wrestling uh, that's girl spelled as in like Riot Girl, so G Uh Yeah, and it's available on Unbound and British folks. You can pre-order it at uh, Waterstones. Um, it's gonna be out to the public. I think pretty much by the time this episode comes out. So go check that out. Unladylike: A Girl's Guide to Wrestling. Very good. There you go. Recommendation from Duncan. So have a look. Moving along to Impact, um, we get Pyro to start the show, which is still quite jarring for me in this day and age. Little In a little bitty Impact zone as well. And we're told that AJ Styles and Sting will take on Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Hardy. And we will also see Ric Flair taking on Abyss. And this one is for the... I guess you could say, like, the unification of Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan's Hall of Fame ring. <laughs> it's ring versus ring. <laughs> <laughs> that tag match oh sounded promising, God. though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, some heavy-hitting names here. And speaking of heavy hitters, the first man out on the show is the Hulkster himself. Comes out to a huge pop and talks up RVD as the champ. Um, says Eric Bischoff has his top 10 ranking system ready to go. Um, talks up RVD last week and brings him out to another huge pop. The Impact Zone's really on their game here so far tonight. 
Um, RVD weirdly refers to Hulk Hogan as Hulky throughout this promo, but other than that, cuts a pretty decent promo. Hulky. <laughs> I loved it. Um, well, you say Hulk was talking up RVD as the champion earlier on. It, listening to him, it kind of sounded like Hulk thought he was a TNA champ. <laughs> it's like being a TNA champion. Oh, it means more than I could ever dream it to be. <laughs> what? What do you mean, you? <laughs> RVD basically um, addresses the sum total of his issues with WWE in that they don't let him smoke lots of weed. <laughs> Pretty much. So that's unfortunate, but um, I think that might be part of your contract there, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just parrots back. Oh what Hogan was on about last week. Like, no, TNA, this is a place where all the wrestlers want to be now. Yeah. Oh, the other um, thing Hogan and... said, sorry, that I really wanted to pick up, when he was talking about RVD going tit for tat with Jeff Hardy, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, brother. Yeah, a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> Holy shit, wait to put him over. Flair comes out then with AJ Styles. Um... The crowd gets all over AJ, um, which is really cool. Um, not only are they popping huge, I, I actually I've got a real soft spot for this Impact crowd um, through our run actually, because not only do they make a lot of noise and generate a lot of heat, but they do boo the bad guys even when they're talented wrestlers, which I, I have a lot of respect for. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I've spotted. Someone listened to my complaints last time. They've finally dressed Rob Van Dam's fucking wound on his head. He's got a plaster <laughs> in his head at last. It's a shame they only had one doctor, though, because they never quite got around to flare. Oh, yeah. Oof. He probably refused medical attention. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't um, a nurse, and it's like, nope. <laughs> You're not getting a right <laughs> space mountain, brother. Woo! <laughs> Um, AJ Styles with the best line of this exchange asks Rob Van Dam if he's high. <laughs> yeah, and he calls him a hippie from Southern California. Rob Van Dam's from Michigan. <laughs> Flair cuts a promo on Hulk and says that um, he basically attacks him about the Hall of Fame ring, but it's not his gr- it's not his greatest promo. If I'm being honest, um, and the segment kind of peters away with nothing really being ache- achieved other than a bit of an argument between the four. Yeah, I thought Flair had a bit of an off night here as well. The closing line from AJ was "Put that in your pipe and smoke it," and Taz just quipped, "Oh, subtle, subtle." <laughs> We go backstage to the beautiful people, and Madison's got to defend her belt tonight. Lacey is dopey as fuck, so I'll splice a little bit of this in. Um, there's some pretty poor sexual innuendos and some um, oh, just some awful backwards and, and forwards banter, so I'll let you guys be the judge of that one. Madison, Eve, they have you having a knockouts title defense already. Already. Don't they realize... Don't they understand that the BPs need time to prepare for things like this? Honestly. Hello? Does this hardly seem fair to you? My first ever knockouts championship reign, my first ever title defense, and I have to face not one but two former champions. And, and, I don't even have to lose the match to lose my title. It's crazy. It's crazy. Can we say BPD? Absolutely, absolutely. Boston Police Department? Beautiful people discrimination, honey. But you know what? 
Madison's right. The second it looks like the beautiful people have things going exactly their way, like winning both the TNA Knockouts title and the TNA Tag Team titles, TNA management fall all over themselves looking for a way to screw us over. They can't screw us. Over, honey. Screw us over. That too. Oh, God, help me. Okay, girls, you know what? You know what? As raining <laughs> knockouts champion, this I'm not that much. worried about it. Too much. The way Tara and Angelina have been bickering over this title. Barking. The last few Barking, weeks, you mean. Yeah. Barking. Barking. Barking, sorry. <laughs> All I have to do is let them go in there, tear each other apart, slide in and finish the job. Perfect. And tonight, ladies, I'm going to cleanse TNA too. Ugly people. Holler. Well, my favorite part was uh, Madison Rain realizing that she made a corny pun. Uh, it's like, as raining, <laughs> getting knockouts champion. <laughs> From there, they recap the awful lockbox angle, which we've discussed um, pretty thoroughly here so far. And we go to our matchup, which is going to be Angelina Love taking on Tara, taking on Madison Rain for the knockouts championship. The referee before the match sends the other two beautiful people to the back. Angelina Love hits a spear and then we get a big boot from Madison as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, we've got a guillotine by Tara. Angelina Love clears house and then Tara hits a spinning side slam before Madison Rain pops in for the roll-up victory. One, two, three. Mm, there's at one point Angelina Love hit the world's strongest slam in this match. <laughs> that really... I did not expect that at all. It it didn't last very long or do a whole lot for me, this one. Um, but after the match, I was quite interested. Angelina Love and Tara, who have, there's been some tension building between them, um, obviously due to the, the title change and they've been part, reluctant partners previously. Um, they get into a bit of a pull apart and this is quite intense and it's good. And it ends with a bit of a heel turn from Tara who nails her with a cheap shot afterwards. Mm, yeah, see, I felt it felt like Tara had already turned heel. But the crowd was still kind of into her at the start of this match. But that post-match angle seemed to turn them around a little bit. Um, I thought the match itself, it wasn't quite there, but it's still a fair bit of an improvement over the Knockouts Division match we've, matches we've had over the past few weeks. They had some stiff bumps. Yeah. Um, the finish just brought things to a screeching halt, really. Um, and commentary at the start was really off-putting for me. Uh, even before the match began, like when they were recapping the lockdown match, all the commentary yeah. was in this really weird echo, and it sounded like they were stuck down a well, down a well, down a well. <laughs> um, oh. And, oh yeah, it, it was Tanae who was going about, oh, Madison Rain, she's such a hypocrite about, oh, maybe she'll lose the title without being pinned tonight. Angelina has already lost her title at lockdown just like that. And I'm like... Tara lost her title by someone opening a fucking box. How about you mention the injustice of that? Yeah, the um, the belt is being Russoed right now. This was also the uh, first instance I can remember of Taz. You know how he has these iconic things. Lesnar comes out, is like, "Well, here comes the pain," and the Pope comes out, is yep. like, "Well, here comes the Pope." The beautiful people come out. What does he say when the beautiful people come out? Oh, I didn't catch it. Let the pigeons loose! 
Oh my god. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. That's that's not a good one. <laughs> no. He he kind of redeems himself with some unintentional poetry corner at the end of this match. Like, Madison Rain! She used her brain. <laughs> you know what you know what I find funny about the comment commentary, particularly talking about Taz now, is Taz and Michael Cole were an awesome partnership, and since they've split, I've not enjoyed either of them. It's because they've not had Paul Heyman nagging them in post-production to fix things. Yeah, I guess so. Because, yeah, they were... they were At one point, I was like, damn, these guys are overtaking Lawler and, and JR. Mm. And, oh, well, not to be. We then go to our next matchup, which is Shannon Moore taking on Kaz for the X Division Championship. Um, you remember from last week where Shannon Moore rejected the offer of Matt Morgan to be his tag partner because he had this match coming up. Yeah, for an X Division Championship that Kaz still physically physically doesn't have yet. Yeah, still. Um, has Doug Williams got back yet? Doesn't sound like it. Um, I think they promised that he's going to turn up next week. Okay, well we'll have to check that one out. We get some Japanese arm drags from Shannon Moore, a Hurricane Rana, and an inverted atomic drop for a two count. Kaz comes back with an arm drag of his own, a neck breaker for a two count, before we get a referee bump in pretty short order. This, of course, allows Matt Morgan to come out and push Shannon Moore off the top rope to the floor. And then Kaz hits uh, a move I can only describe as some sort of reverse pile driver slash vertebreaker for the one, two, three. Yes, that's his finisher called the Fade to Black for some reason. I think it's just a Metallica reference. Decent looking, but I don't imagine he'd be able to put it on too many guys easily. Uh, X Division life is not possibly going to have to worry about that, though. Yeah. Um, this um, was a, obviously a bit of a retaliation from Matt Morgan for... Shannon Moore declining his offer to partner up last week. Mm-hmm. But that's not the end of the outside shenanigans because Samoa Joe comes out and lays out Kaz. Oh, wow, his music still plays as well. Yeah, so a bit of New Jack-esque there. Yeah. Um, I thought this match, kind of similar to some of the Raw matches, you know, there were bits and pieces of decent stuff, but they were hurt by the time and like the... the finish at the end and i also found it distracting they had a ticker tape at the bottom with some news items uh, i just want to just recap some of the stuff that scrolled by here so they were advertising jeff hardy making his tna live event debut in the coming week about time oh, interesting <laughs> he's been there what <laughs> four months good schedule if you can get it yeah um daphne has a stinger a concussion and a bruised sternum Jesus. Yeah, she sounds like she's been through the wars. And Hulk Hogan is doing the rounds, doing like being on media. He's going to be on The View and on Howard Stern and a whole bunch of other places plugging TNA. Oh, very good. Oh, and we also found out that Sting and Jeff Jarrett are going to wrestle each other at Sacrifice. That's not bad either. We then go to a promo from Abyss on the importance of the ring, which is pretty lame. I just, yeah, I'm not digging this version of Abyss, if I'm being honest. It instilled this confidence in him, and that's why he's been so successful. But it's not, it's not got magical powers or anything. That's stupid. Why would we be implying that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
We then go to Matt Morgan trying to recruit his newest tag team partner. This time it's Jesse Neal who declines his advances, but Matt Morgan pushes and asks him a series of questions which leaves him pondering whether or not he should take up Matt Morgan's offer and trust him. Yeah, the big dilemma he's got here is he was trained by Team 3D, who will be Matt Morgan's opponents tonight, and we'll see a few more segments get into that issue later on down the line. Yeah, so not a bad little segment there as we go to a commercial. And when we come back, it's time for the big tag match we talked about earlier, AJ and Sting taking on Jeff and Jeff. Yes, indeed. Now, this match is all of a sudden no disqualification and false count anywhere. Yeah, a bit of um, attitude error booking there. Yeah, all out of the blue. We get a four-man brawl to start with. Jeff Hardy hits a suplex on the ramp. AJ Styles comes back with a drop kick before Jeff Jarrett locks in a sleeper momentarily. Sting hits a suplex for a two, and there's a confusion on a tag, and Jeff Hardy just pushes the referee away while he's trying to tell him he's not the legal man. Um, no idea what happened there, because it's quite obvious following this that that's going to make not a bit of difference. This is my big bugbear of this match. The referee got blinded when AJ uh, escaped Jarrett's sleeper. Um, yeah, they had to like sneak it in even though it was no disqualification. And then the ref won't let Jeff Hardy tag in. I'm just like, why is this suddenly a thing? It's no DQ, it's false count anyway. They started this match brawling on the outside and now all of a sudden, three or four minutes in, they're going to pretend that, oh, tags are important now. And amongst the confusion, Sting just fucks off and leaves. Yeah. But Jeff Jarrett chases him up the aisle and then up some scaffolding. AJ and Jeff Hardy uh, brawl on the ramp. Jeff Hardy sets up a ladder, puts AJ on a table and climbs the ladder to go through him. But while that is taking place, Stings nails Jeff Jarrett with a baseball bat and pins him on the scaffold before Jeff Hardy has a chance to jump off the ladder. Man, Jeff looked like a proper numpty at the end there, didn't he? Yeah, and um, I'm actually going to label this my dick move of the night. Um, because this was this was about as much of a tease as you can give to a crowd without delivering something. AJ Styles is on a table on the floor, and Jeff Hardy puts a ladder on the ramp and climbs it, and in the end just climbs back down and doesn't do anything. Like, talk about a disappointment. All while the finish of the actual match takes place backstage, off-screen, well, off as far as the fans in the arena are concerned as well. Yeah, just um, I, I don't I don't mind the finish to the match, but don't set up a ladder and a table and get the crowd excited. It's one thing to set them up and be thwarted before you can use them, but this was just like, oh well, the match is over now. I, I know I'm up top and he's laid out, but there's not really any point jumping, is there, guys? I'll just hop down. No, this was utterly nonsensical. I could not stand this match. The rules were all over the place. It was completely void of all logic and the wrestling in between was kind of pedestrian in places. Just garbage. Like you say, Jeff Hardy just rushes into the ring anyway. He then goes to cover someone and the referee refuses to count because he's not the legal man. What the fuck does being a legal man mean in a no disqualification false count anywhere match? Yeah, this was a weird one. Um, Definitely... I'm guessing this got changed a couple of times during the day, but it, it, the ending, um, the end product wasn't the best. Yeah, I'd actively go out of your way to avoid this. 
We then go backstage where Jesse Neal is asking for the Dudleys' permission to face them uh, and team with Matt Morgan. Uh, they warn him against Matt Morgan, but the fact that Jesse Neal tells him that he wants to get in the ring and beat them earns their respect and they say, go for it. Yep, staying true to their teachings, just bring it anyway. <laughs> we then bring out the Pope. Um, he says that AJ Styles needs to watch out because it's going to be an eye for an eye. He's obviously got the eye patch on from the big eye injury from their pay-per-view match. Uh, Ken Anderson comes out, though, and after yabbering on for what seems like an eternity, challenges the Pope to a match at the next pay-per-view and then makes chicken noises before the Pope hits him with the big backhand pimp slap. But Anderson obviously gets the upper hand and starts gouging at his eye before referees can come out to pull him off. Sadly, he wasn't making Arrested Development chicken noises. <laughs> Yet Pope, not only did he have his eye covered up selling the pencil injury, uh, he's got his shoulder in a sling because he legitimately had a second-degree shoulder operation and a torn labrum. And it was from, do you remember that really dodgy shinbreaker spot that AJ did and he just kind of let go of him? Yeah, it's awkward landing from that, and that's what caused it. Um, I I loved Pope here. Um, he, he's going on about AJ. He's like, "You're nothing more than a gas bubble on Pope's sour stomach." Yeah, uh, I I love the Pope. Yeah, I, big fan. I, I loved I loved his promo, and then Mr. Anderson came and sucked all the joy out of the world. Did you get a boo boo? Yeah, there's. I've never. I, I've, I know I've said this before, but I've never got. My opinion has never dropped so low so quickly on a character as it has done Ken Anderson in this run. <laughs> Absolutely, he's out trying to take credit for Kurt Angle being at home licking his wounds. Like, uh, mate, you lost the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kurt went home on his of his own free will. He's just um, just terrible. He'd rather sit on his arse and wrestle Anderson for like the fifth time in, in, in a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got other wrestlers go away. <laughs> yeah. I also could not stand the line about uh, asking Pope to take his little testicles out of his mum's purse. Just Go away. Yeah, just, just obnoxious. Yeah. We then get 3D taking on Matt Morgan and Jesse Neal. Um, 3D layout park on the way to the ring, which was interesting. Um, before they even go through the curtain, they've bloodied him up and left him in a pool backstage. Um, the crowd, uh, <coughs> the crowd are really hilarious in the start of this match because during the opening exchange, they actually start a crowd where it's Jesse Neal, yay, Matt Morgan, boo, <laughs> Jesse Neal, <laughs> and it just cracked me up. Uh, really funny stuff. I loved that too. Yeah. The match doesn't really get going before Nash and Hall come out to avenge Puck. They brawl on the ramp, um, and Jesse Neal runs up the ramp to help them. And in the kayfabe dick move of the night, Matt Morgan lays out Jesse Neal on the ramp. <laughs> oh, what a dick. Yeah, Nash was, like, flashing 3D Puck's blood that he had on his hands. That was kind of disgusting, that scene at the start, all that fake blood. Yeah, a bit gross. Ray speculating that um, he'll be in a coma. I got a quote tweeted by Sean Waltman the other week, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, um, he was uh, enjoying, he's going on about how, you know, I'd love to say DX had the best Hall of Fame induction speech ever, but I can't really top this. And it was a video of Iron Sheik's induction. (laughs) <laughs> and I was just like, yes, Madison Square Garden, 
nobody be the Bob Backlund. I put him in the camel clutch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, brilliant. he revealed to me that as the one, two, three kid, he beat Bob Backlund in Madison Square Garden with an O'Connor role. Oh, wow. How fucking cool is that? That's brilliant. I'm a, I'm a big Sean Wallman fan, so I made no secret about that over the years. Um, I don't care what anyone says. Big, big favorite of mine. Yeah, such a good hand. And one of the few wrestlers I've met, too, actually, funnily enough. Oh, yeah, it was at that Aussie show you went to, wasn't he? Sure was, and the nicest guy in the building by far. Oh, cool. Oh, actually, I t- I, there was one contender, and that would have been Zack Sabre Jr. was also a really lovely chap. Oh, he's pretty chill. Yeah, I mean, everybody's he's got his gimmick table like everyone else, and um, I think I, I think I may have told this story on the podcast before, but we went up and said, oh, you know, how much for a photo? Was, and I there, he goes, I'll just take a photo with you, no problem. Well, what, what a decent guy. Mm. Will Ospreay would be demanding a fiver there. Well, I think we ended up buying one of his shirts as a. It's like, oh, well, we expected to pay for the photo. Let's buy a shirt instead. Yeah, cool. And after this, uh, though, we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, a rightfully pissed off Jesse Neal is in the ring, and he's calling out Matt Morgan. The Dudleys advised him not to, but then basically say, right, do it. You're on your own. It's your business. Uh, Matt Morgan backstage says he's off the clock, so he's not going to be bothered. But Hogan bumps into him and says, you either go out and sort it, or we'll sort it for you. Matt Morgan runs in and Jesse Neal gets the upper hand at the start, but Morgan begs off and then hits him with a low blow, nails him with the title belt, but Shannon Moore comes out and hits a missile dropkick on him and sends him scurrying, and then him and Jesse Neal have a little nice little punk rockers reunion moment there. Mm, yes, the genesis of Ink Ink. And um, if Shannon Moore, on his way out to the ring to get revenge against Matt Morgan, asked Dilly Gaff, I would say, yes, it does look like you give a fuck right now. <laughs> That's true. This is the second time tonight where they were ringing the bell after an incident occurred. It's like, it's not a match. Like, they did this when uh, Anderson was beating up Pope as well. Why are you ringing the bell? It's not a match. You've not got a whole a match. <laughs> Oh, the old 50 bell rings, hoping the heel will stop. Yeah. I'll now splice in a little clip of Eric Bischoff talking about the new ranking system. Um, Considering I don't remember anything coming of this, I'm going to assume not much did come of it, but (laughs) apparently the crowd are going to be involved in the decisions from now on. There you see, Dave, looks like they're meeting eye to eye. Taz, this is what we've been waiting for. Major announcement from Eric Bischoff on that new TNA Thanks, guys. You know, for weeks, we've been talking about a ranking system uh, here at TNA, and I've had the opportunity to work with executives within the organization, as well as consultants outside of the organization, to come up with something that's new, something different, something that's never been done before. And we decided that letting you fans help us determine who should be in the top 10 rankings for a shot at the World Heavyweight title would be the best thing for everybody. So that's exactly what we're going to do. All you have to do is to go to TNAWrestling.com and vote for the person that you think deserves to have an opportunity to wrestle for the most coveted title in sports entertainment today, the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. And much like politics in Chicago, feel free to vote early and vote as often as you Hey, hey, I'm here. I'm ready to vote. Does computer work? 
No? All right, I'll just tell you my votes. Hey, top ten right here, number one, Andre. Yeah, he's a big giant, man. He's number one, but no outside interference, no managers. Number two, who we got? A Coco Beware, huh? Red Rooster, huh? One-man gang? How about tag teams, huh? We got the Heart Foundation, huh? How about, uh... Yes, indeed, it's uh, new and different, and the fans can help determine the top ten, so people can go to TNAWrestling.com to vote. Vote early and vote often, and I know exactly why you spice this, because I made a note here. I bet you Lee spices this, because out comes Black Machismo to arrive to give his own top ten. <laughs> yeah, and needless to say, he's got some favourites of mine in there. <laughs> Number one, Andre, yeah. Number two, Coco Beware. Or what about Red Rooster, yeah. How about tag teams, Heart Foundation, ooh, yeah. They're brilliant. I absolutely love Jay Lethal. He's awesome. We get some adverts for the house show ads. Uh, sorry, the house shows upcoming. And then we see Orlando Jordan in a colourful skirt, a colourful furry skirt and matching armband that looks like something my daughter would have in her dress-up box. Um, talking about... Um, oh, talking about Rob Terry in just a... A weird segment. I, I didn't understand the purpose of this at all. It's basically plugging next week he's going to debut his own interview segment, The Ozone, which incidentally was uh, this old music magazine show back when I was growing up. Um, but I, I doubt, I very much doubt Jamie Feakston and Jay Middlemas are going to be on this alongside him. <laughs> <laughs> Taz quips, I got a feeling there'll be more than one freak in The Ozone next week. Because mm. because uh, Orlando's a sexual predator because because he's bisexual and all bisexual people are sexual predators. Um, I I sort of I don't know if you looked at him in this segment, <laughs> I wouldn't be too hard to convince me that he was. Well, yeah, he yeah, <laughs> Orlando Jordan, the character, is being very unnerving in his pursuit of Rob Terry here, but that's my issue. This is like the first instance of a bisexual character I can recall in wrestling and, oh, he's a pervert and he's a predator. Oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty poor. It, um, and it's not that long ago that you could say it was behind the times now either. I know, yeah. Oh, just, just as an age well. Just to lighten the load here, the, the other thing about the TNA house show adverts, Don West and his brown paper bag deals were still the top oh, draw of that. the show. <laughs> I kind of want one now. I know. He was way ahead of his time. He should have been doing one of these monthly subscription things. <laughs> I just think of him as like, uh, do you ever play Plants vs. Zombies? No, I haven't, sorry. Oh, the, the, the guy that would sell you accessories and stuff was this guy called Crazy Dave, and he kind of looks like Don West with the brown <laughs> goatee, and he'd have a pan on his head, and he'd just sell you like the rakes and stuff to take down the zombies and stuff. That's brilliant. We then get a bit of a weird sort of shoot promo style, um, sorry, a shoot interview style promo from Ric Flair. He's just talking about the ring again, and it's just, it's so jarring that this whole storyline is based around another company's Hall of Fame rings. I know, it's it, it's so strange. If you spice this in, I would like to hear the listeners' feedback on this because the audio fidelity for this interview is absolutely shocking and they have to actually give him subtitles as if he's a Scottish person speaking on WWE TV. <laughs> Flair has 
with the best possession of Hulk Hogan's Hall of Fame ring. Almost the tension, the rivalry between Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, it's centered around the Hall of Fame ring that Hulk gave to Abyss. Yeah, so tonight, um, I'm talking about retirement again, and, uh, I don't think I rose in retirement, but I'm put this on, put the boots on again. And uh, I'm kind of like a combination of Doc Holliday and Walt Blaydock. Had put in a notch in my gun. Got to take another young guy that thinks he's something, kick his ass. Because Hogan has had the audacity to take something that very few people ever achieve, something that is given, in my case, at a ceremony in front of 18,000 people. And, uh, when I'm in a bad mood, I don't mind hurting somebody. And him wearing that ring offends me. It offends everything I believe in this business. Um, it offends everything that uh, I've worked 38 years to be because he can do whatever he wants. His whole life will never be in the Hall of Fame. And the bottom line is tonight when I walk out of I'll be looking as only I can look like I have my entire career. And every fan in that building will know they're seeing the greatest wrestler that ever lived walk into the ring and perform again. And that's the bottom line. Because Ric Flair said so. And I was saying that before Steve Austin. Oh my god. Uh, from there we go backstage to see Hall and Nash walking out and the cameraman's pressing them to ask what they're going to do. They're a man down, they're a man down. And Nash is fired up and Hall's basically trying to say he's going to he's gonna nail you here in a minute. But Nash screams at them and promises they'll have a new man next week. Yeah, I quite like this, like um, how Scott Hall was all, leave Britney alone on behalf of Nash. It's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm the nice one. Yeah. From there, we go to Ric Flair versus Abyss, which we get a good um, pay-per-view feel for with the hype video, which makes it feel important. It's just a shame what they're feuding over. I know, and it's kind of sad how Hulk had the line when he called the ring, the only thing that's ever loved me. <laughs> oh, I know, so bad. Um, Flair starts with his usual chops and punches before they brawl along the outside, and in about a minute and a half, Ric Flair is busted wide open. Um, he gets an eye poke and goes up top, but then this is awkward because I know he always gets caught, but he has to wait an age for Abyss to come and catch him on this one. Mm. Abyss hits a boot and a side slam for a two, and Avalanche before Ric Flair hits a low blow in the corner like the backwards mule kick and gets Abyss and the referee, but somehow isn't disqualified. <laughs> Picks up brass knucks, gets him out of his trunks, nails Abyss, who no-sells it. So then Ric Flair is the smartest man in wrestling, drops to his knees and hits him in the balls with the brass knuckles. This is enough for a one, two, three, as Flair drags Earl Hebner over and gets him to hit the count. Unfortunately, in raising Flair's arm, he drops the knucks and Earl Hebner finds them and tells the ring, uh, the ring attendant to ring the bell and we're back into the match. The old dusty finish, baby. Um, this allows Abyss to hulk up, uh, which he does, and hits a black hole slam for the one, two, three. Hogan comes out to Hot Dog and Grandstand with him, and he himself takes the ring off Ric Flair's hand and puts it on, so it doesn't give it to Abyss. Hogan's going to keep it, and then says on commentary, uh, on commentary on the microphone that he's going to give it to someone next week, leaving us with a bit of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, that irritated me. You talk about hot-dogging and grandstanding. Hogan's music played upon Abyss's victory. 
<laughs> and it wasn't like just Abyss's like American made thing. It was legitimately Hulk Hogan's music. So he had to come out and strip Flair of his ring. Wait. Yeah, I mean, overall, not the worst match. Didn't go that long, and it's Flair in, you know, his advanced age. You know, as he mentioned in his shoot-style promo earlier, coming out of retirement again. Um, But I'm interested to see who gets the ring. I have no idea, and I can't wait to find out. Well, I've got to disagree on one part here. This is the second dud of the night for me for TNA. This is just a carbon copy of 9 out of 10 of Flair's matches in his last decade as a wrestler. Oh, he's going to do the chops. Oh, he's going to hit him in the bollocks. Oh, he's going to get pressed off the top. Oh, he's going to flop. Oh, he's going to get a back body drop. It's just it's just not needed. It's cookie cutter. Anyone could have wrestled this match. And then you have the bullshit of the dusty finish as well. Having said all that, just like you, I have... Like, like I said, this show has not been very good for me personally, but that final revelation of Hulk Hogan about to give the ring to someone got me very, very, very excited and absolutely determined to watch next week's show right away because I know exactly what's going to happen and I hope it happens within our timeline. I'm desperate to find out. Um, so this is going to be great. So... Um... Yeah, something to look forward to, which uh, Raw didn't leave me with that. So, I I don't know, I guess I I came out of Impact with a slightly warmer feeling than I did Raw because A, it was shorter, and B, it's left me wanting to find out what happens next. Um, I did not enjoy Impact. The the, the two leading draws that were promoted all throughout this match, uh, all throughout this show, the tag match and the ring versus ring match I did not care for at all um, there's nothing really of substance other than those matches as well really nothing else really got out of the blocks um, Pope's getting dumped with Mr. Anderson boo to that I was just very sour about this show in general and I think the 70,000 viewers or whatever they lost compared to last week have really looked out here and TNA should maybe be glad that they had a record low viewership oh wow okay I I think we need to go into the ratings here I think this is going to be interesting (laughs) well yes because this is going to be interesting because as we mentioned Raw didn't necessarily excel um like you say, the, the revelation at the end of TNA did get me excited for next week, which was a real turn up for the books considering the quality of the show beforehand. But with Raw, I think some of the draft picks got me excited. Like, oh, we're finally going to get to see Morrison more permanently just as the storylines ending. Typical. All right, then. Well, let's do it. Um first one out the blocks who do you think had the better production quality on the night Mm, i'm gonna have to go with a tie here because there were some really iffy bits from raw this week that i think they needed docking a few uh points for like the the camera quality for seamus's promo was just really weird um and recycling the same video packages recapping extreme rules irritated me as well not as if TNA did anything really special here and that Flair interview at the end was really crap. But yeah, there were neither of them really excelled in that sense this week for me. 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, I don't have a, a ton of points about production from either one. Um, so definitely, I, th- I think we're probably pretty much in the same headspace. But this is going to be the interesting ones coming up now. Um, the character development. Who do you think had the better character development on the night or character, or the best use of characters? Um, mm, Raw edged it for me with R-Truth. Um, uh, who else had it? Oh, the, the heart stuff was really, really good. Um, like getting Miz splitting away from his tag partner. Uh, yeah, just the, the, the prospect of fresh feuds with the draft as well uh, really did it for me. Uh, TNA, uh, uh, nothing was really established as far as RVD, his future goes. Um, no Jeff Hardy. They were missing a fair few people. Um, like the, the main featured players I didn't really care that much for. And um, yeah, the, the Jesse Neal stuff was the only solid thing really as far as, oh, that's you know something to look out for. I had, I had a tie on this one as well. Um, I think they both put most of their big names on the show, but the usage of them varied um, on both shows, to be fair. I think Bret Hart was good on his show. I thought Hogan did his job pretty well. I thought some of the use of Flair on the night was very iffy. Um, and I thought the use of Cena on Raw was poor as well. So a bit of a mixed bag there for me. So I went with the tie. Um, Storyline advancement. Who did you go with for that one? I'm going to edge it to Raw again here just because uh, you've got the the shocker of Orton and Edge. Edge taking exception to Orton. They're going to square off in the future. That's intriguing. Um, even if, you know, it felt like a weird time to do the turn. Um, the Hearts getting the titles. It's really good. Big Show having the face turn. Miz going singles again. Um, DiBiase and R-Truth starting off an angle. There's some... All right stuff in the mix there. Uh, TNA, I think we mentioned again, like the the Jesse Neal, uh, Shannon Moore tag team, and the who's going to get the ring was the only storyline advancement I cared for. Um, Interesting. I um I actually went the other way. I thought TNA had the much better stories. I thought the main event had a pay-per-view feel to it as opposed to John Cena going, Oh, you can be in the main event too. If you want on raw, um, the Jesse Neal stuff I found really fascinating. The whole Matt Morgan thing I found interesting. Um, we obviously got the start of a storyline as much as I don't think either of us are going to like it with, um, Anderson and Pope. Mm. Um, that was a big black mark. For me. Yeah. 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 Um, the women's stuff got some advancement and, yeah, a few different little things going on. Over on Raw, the, the best story, obviously, was the first match. The Hearts and Show Miz, that was the best story of the night. But I think they actually threw away a current storyline, as I said earlier, with Edge and Jericho. And an opportunity to start things afresh. And we've gone back to Batista and Cena. So, for me, I, I actually much prefer TNA's storytelling for these two. Mm, and like, I appreciate it is the same direction. But at least at the end of Raw, you knew who was going to be in the title picture after that. Rob Van Dam just 
came out and talked and AJ Styles came out and talked and like nothing really came of it. Fair enough. Um, crowd heat, I definitely went with TNA. I thought they were a miles better crowd than they were on Raw uh, because they were hot from start to finish. What did you think? Um, yeah, I've got an edge it for Impact here. I think... Raw had its moments, especially when there was stuff revolving around Bret Hart and John Morrison. But, like you say, the, the energy from the Impact Zone has been a, a constant highlight of TNA <laughs> for, for us in this timeline for me. Well, that's going to take us right down to the wire then. Match quality. Um, I'm going to put my stake in right away and say that I actually preferred Impact's matches. Um the two main events, neither of them were, were great. But for me, I know you're probably going to lean towards the Raw one on, on these two matches. The Impact main event had something on the line. And for me, that made me enjoy it a whole lot more. Um, each show featured a women's match, which was short. The Impact one had good wrestling in it. The Raw one didn't. They each featured a match which should have been longer um, in Shannon Moore and Kaz and Punk and Evan Bourne, but both of reasonably similar quality. Raw's biggest plus for me was was the tag match, but overall, I actually um, I went with Impact. I preferred the matches there. Um, I assume you're going to disagree, but I'll stand to be corrected. I am blatantly <laughs> going for Raw here, just because TNA's featured matches were utter utter shite in my book. I'd never seen for like the, the two of the worst matches I think I've ever had to put up with in our timeline here. And for them to happen on the same show as well, it just... Like, Raw didn't exactly excel, but I really enjoyed the opening tag title match, and I got a fair bit of enjoyment out of Swagger and Morrison as well. That was more than enough for me to put TNA away, even though nothing really excelled past that. I think the the worst thing on either show too, in my opinion, was Dolph Ziggler and Hornswoggle. So that definitely helped my decision. Mm, but that was like two minutes. TNA's worst moments were the featured matches that were supposed to make people excited to watch the show. I, I do find it quite ironic though that we're talking about Dolph Ziggler being outsmarted by Hornswoggle in 2010 and everyone's just starting to catch up to how um, repetitive his character has been for 10 years now. Oh, he can... Yeah, he's been back, what, three months? I'm sick of him already. I was so happy when Kevin Owens just put him away in 10 seconds. So TNA actually picks up a marginal victory here, which I'm happy with, but I, I assume you won't be. I really enjoyed this episode of Impact. I'm furious. Um, was, <laughs> there was nothing great on it, but it had a bit of that um, Attitude Era Crash TV vibe to it for me. And Raw had the stale three-hour format, which I know isn't stale when it's aired, but it is stale to me now. And yeah, looking back, I just much preferred Impact. I breezed through that one. There was a lot that was stale about Raw. I will agree to that i just uh, as a pair of shows uh, i'm trying to remember the last time it was like this where i'm speculating it's okay who's the least worst here the one that's two hours (laughs) (laughs) i kind of disagree with that notion a little bit like i I am kind of appreciating a little more having like a a full show that you can just sit down and watch but if it's all shy you know i'd much rather cherry pick good stuff out of a longer show if i'm honest fair enough to each their own 
that will do it for Raw and Impact again. Um, as we said earlier, we've got one to go, and then obviously we're going to discuss a, a wrap-up show for this story arc. So we'll um, finalise the details of that after we've done the next one. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I actually didn't mind this. I just... I, Raw going to three hours is, is brutal on me, but... Um, watching that first and being the draft I have to I have to say as much as I didn't like Raw at least the draft picks gave it some intrigue so it wasn't just a bog standard three hour show um, hopefully next week we'll get some talk about the supplemental draft and that will help tide uh, us over a little bit but yeah overall uh, this wasn't the worst batch of wrestling I've watched uh, for me it's more I'm, it's made me excited for next week despite some of the stuff I didn't enjoy. So like you say, with Raw, we've got some fresh faces potentially next week, and with Impact, somebody's going to get the ring, and I think you might like it. Oh, can't wait. So that's, uh, yeah, something to look forward to. Um, have you got anything coming up that you want to plug at the moment, Dunk, before we, we head off? Um, nothing concrete yet. Kyle's had a really busy time in terms of his theatre stuff um, and he's just debuted uh, a music video that he directed for this uh, band called I think it's Solomon Grey and uh, this DJ that he knows Hectic did a remix of one of their tracks and uh, he filmed it with some of his college students uh, go and check that out, that's retweeted on our timeline somewhere um, but yeah we're looking to do something hopefully SummerSlam related seeing as how that's coming up very cool. A big well done, Kyle, by the way. I have checked out that stuff on Twitter, so good stuff, mate. Um, as much as I bag you for your Triple H loving, um, looks like you're doing some really cool stuff at the moment. Awesome. Um, I've not really got anything <coughs> to plug. Um, I'm going to be trying my best within a week of this show dropping to have the next Raw and Nitro show dropped as well because I've been dragging my ass a bit on that. And Carl and I need to get to 96 King of the Ring and Great American Bash. So there's some shows I'm definitely looking forward to watching. Um, Richie and I are up to 1989 on our 80s journey. So we're nearly, nearly finished. Um, and we have nothing concrete for which two shows they're going to be yet. So can't give anyone any details of anything really. Um, but Obviously, by the time this drops, I will know what I'm going to be doing next and I will let everyone know as it comes up. Good stuff. So thank you, everyone, once again for listening and following us on this journey. It's been highly enjoyable and a nice little um, sort of side journey for me to stop the monotony of watching the same shows every single week. And thanks a bunch again for coming on, Duncan. Oh, it's been a pleasure as always, Lee. And we will see you all down the road. <laughs> I'll catch you down the road. <laughs> absolutely brilliant see ya <laughs> see you guys look around they are Christian no they are no longer Christian they no longer follow Jesus they follow the devil 100% die Sing, bitch. If I don't have a mag, I get a bastard stab with a knife because a claw from an Alaskan crab. Young, I'm down with Vinny, give me six weeks. All your little pip squeaks is up shit's creek. Think we a joke? I put three in your throat. Drunk off gin and CNC coke, then we flee in a boat. Open up the spot with coconut syrup, so the hoses suck some cock. Yeah. Huh. Then I 